I want you to open your Bible to the book of John. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we're going to look uh, beginning at verse 1. We began a series last week. Who knows the name of our series? I am. We actually, actually, I said last week, two weeks ago, we began the series. Um, and this is a powerful verse. Oh my goodness. This is maybe my favorite one that I've seen yet, but this is what it says. John 10 and verse one, most assuredly Jesus speaking. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Can I just pause there and tell you something? I was told, uh, is Eugene here? I think he was in the first, or is he here? Oh, he just left. Okay. Uh, you know, he told me that this is the verse that they've always used to explain why Santa Claus doesn't come to their house. Because he doesn't come by the door. And if he doesn't come by the door, he's a thief and a liar. And so, uh, anyway, I don't know. He told me that in between the service. I'm like, that's, all right, fine. So anyway, that's not what Jesus is talking about, actually. But uh, you want to use it that way? Whatever. So he uh, who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out his sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. They will flee from him. They do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Verse 7, this is where we see the I am statement. Jesus said again, assuredly, I say to you, I am. Everybody say, I am. I am, I am the door of the sheep. Whoever uh, came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. The thief does not come but to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Oh my goodness, this is going to be good. Come on, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us as we open his word together. Jesus, I, I thank you for your word, mighty God. I pray that you will speak to our hearts, that you will change our lives. And Lord, I even ask right now that an anointing would rest upon me, that under the authority, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, I would preach your word as I ought to. And God, I ask you to anoint every person within the sound of my voice. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking today. Day. I bind every work of the enemy, he who would try and steal, to confuse, to distort, or rob the word of God, even as it comes forward today. Give us liberty as we receive your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Oh, I, I love the gospel of John. It's my favorite gospel. I'd encourage you. Uh, Read the Gospel of John and look for these I am statements. There's a theme all throughout the book of John. It's very important. Jesus would make these statements. And uh, I, I talked a couple weeks ago about chapter 8 and how Jesus, he was having this confrontation with the Pharisees, right? And he's having this conversation 
And, and somehow the, 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 the idea comes up that even when Abraham was on the earth, Jesus was able to observe what had happened with Abraham. Now, some of the guys caught this and they're like, now hold on a second. Abraham was alive 2,000 years ago. That's this time is 4,000 years ago for us. But 2,000 years before Jesus and they caught it. They're like, how is it that you were there? You say that you saw Abraham and Jesus replies, even before Abraham was, I am. Everybody say, I am. Now, that's a big claim. Not only that he's claiming to be there when Abraham was, but if you really analyze the language there, what he was doing, he was making the claim to be the very same God of the Old Testament, the God who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. Who do I say sent me, God? Tell them I am sent you. And we know that they received it this way because when they heard Jesus make that claim that he is the I am, the Bible says in chapter 8, they actually took up stones to stone him to death because he was claiming to be God, which is blasphemy. It's punishable by death in their culture. So these are some big statements. Now we looked at some of the I am statements Jesus made. We looked at week one about how he said, I am the bread of life. And last week we looked at how he is the, uh, he said, I am the light of the world. And this week, oh my goodness, this is cool. Now this, this may sound weird and maybe you've never heard people preach about this, but Jesus said, I am the door. Now what in the world is he talking? Everybody say, I am the door. Okay, let, let's say it with a little bit of unction. I am the door. So this is so cool. Now let me, let me put this in context for you. Because there's a reason Jesus is having this conversation. And I really believe that this is going to help comfort some of us in this place today. How many of you could use some encouragement this morning? Uh, I, I could use some encouragement. I tell you, if you're, if you're concerned about the elections and what in the world's going to happen, is Trump going, is he staying, do we have Biden or whatever, you know, what's going to happen? Listen, if you're concerned and there's people concerned on both sides of this thing, I've got an encouraging word for you today. If you're wondering, is our nation going to hell? Uh, maybe. Uh, that's the way the world is going. But I'm just telling you, uh, I've got an encouraging word for you today, okay? As long as you belong to the good shepherd, you can be all right. You're going to be all right. I, I tell you, I, uh, I praise God for godly politicians. Let me just interject this here. I do praise God for godly politicians. But, you know, my theology puts me in a position that one day all government is going to hell. One day there's going to be an antichrist in office and uh, we're going to have the choice whether we yield, whether we receive the mark or whether we're going to stay true to Jesus. And so I'm of the mindset, if we've got godly leadership, I'm going to pray for our leadership, godly or not, just like the Bible instructs. But at the end of the day, my confidence is not in who's in office. My confidence is who's on the throne. And that may be a cliche to some of you, but uh, well, is that just a cop-out, Pastor Jacob? Tell us who you voted for. I did vote. I won't tell you who. <laughs> Praise God. So here we go. Um, let me put this in context. I don't know why I went off on that bunny trail, but let me, uh, let me just tell you. Um, 
What Jesus is doing here is he's actually bringing encouragement to a guy who really needed it. And I'll just summarize the story in chapter nine, right before this. Now, you know, the, the chapters were actually put in by people, right? It's not like as the God was inspiring the word, he says, now begin chapter 10. And so you got to pay attention when you see words like therefore in the Bible, find out what the therefore is there for, right? So this story, the text that we just read is actually picking up on a conversation that Jesus had in the previous chapter. Let me tell you the story. Jesus and his disciples were walking down the road. We assumed that he was going to the temple because that's where they all ended up. And so Jesus is walking and along the way they see a blind man and they ask the question, Jesus, who sinned in order that this man was born blind? Did his parents sin or did he sin? That is a weird question. How is he sinning if he was born blind? You ever wonder about that? There was actually a prevailing doctrine in that day of reincarnation. It even fit in within some of those who claimed to be Jewish, but they believed in reincarnation. Jesus really destroyed that even in this time right here. That's a different message for a different time. But as they walked along, Jesus is like, no, neither. It wasn't his parents. It wasn't him. It wasn't even sin that caused his blindness. He was born this way that I might demonstrate the wonders of God. Wow. And so as they continue on, he calls for the blind man, come. And uh, he stoops down. You guys know the story. He begins to take up some dirt. He begins to spit in the dirt and he begins to make mud out of the dirt. You ought to think about this sometime. I mean, you just put yourself in the position of the Bible. We took some time. We were digging. We added some rock out here. Thank you to Jonathan for making that happen. Thank you to Edwin and Rylan and I know Lee and his boys and Seth and some. They helped us shovel and spread rock. Hallelujah. And uh, But you know, it was real dusty when we first started digging a trench so that the rock doesn't just fly all over the place. It was so dusty. It began flying all over the place. And I just began to think, man, how much would you have to spit in dirt in order to make mud? You can go try this after service if you want to. I just, uh, I just think about, like, what did this actually look like? I mean, Jesus was there making mud for quite some time. Blind guy is probably standing around hearing Jesus spit and wondering what in the world is about to happen to me. And he comes, Jesus, and the Bible says that he smeared the mud in his eyes. That's the actual, did you know, uh, some of your translations might actually say that he anointed his eyes with mud. Did you know that the Greek and the Hebrew, both of the, the original language for the word anoint means to smear. That sounds nice, doesn't it? And so this is what Jesus did. He took the mud and he smeared it. He anointed his eyes with mud. Only Jesus can take something dirty like mud and use it as a method to deliver a miracle. I'm just telling you. You were wondering, man, my broken situation, this is ugly, this is messy, this is dirty. Don't ever get concerned. Jesus can turn it around. Jesus can turn it into a miracle. He smears, he anoints the, the mud in the man's eyes. He tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so the man does. He goes down, he washes, and as soon as the mud is cleared from his eyes, he can see. This is the first account of a blind man being healed in, uh, in Jesus' ministry. He comes back and presents himself. And, and some of the people around, they see this miracle. How many understand? If a blind man had his eyes open, that's going to grab the attention of people. 
And so they begin to argue. Is this the man who is blind? Some say, no, he just looks like him. I mean, it's really, it's just a comical story if you really read it and take your time with it. Nah, that's not the blind guy. He just looks like the blind guy. And he's like, no, 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 that's him. He was blind, but now he can see. Jesus ministered to him. And, uh, and they go back and forth over this thing. Well, fine. You know what? We need to get some church people involved in this. So they take the blind man and they bring him to the Pharisees. I mean, no, this story's about to go south. Brings him to the Pharisees and, uh, hey, this guy was blind and now he sees. Okay, the Pharisees say, tell me the story. So the man says, I was sitting, I was begging by the wall. Here comes Jesus. He made mud. He anointed my eyes with the mud. He told me, go wash in the pool. I washed in the pool. I, and, and then I could see. And the, and the Pharisees, oh my goodness, they just began to praise God for the miracle. They were so excited. They were rejoicing. No, they didn't do that. You know what they said? How dare he? You're telling me Jesus stooped down? You're telling me Jesus piled together dirt and he began to make mud? You're telling me Jesus is trying to heal the sick? It's the Sabbath. What in the world? That's work. No way a sinner like that could see the sick healed. I mean, really read the story. This is exact. They don't rejoice over the healing. I mean, I'd be beside myself excited if a blind man got healed in our service today. We'd be running around. We'd be so, I would not care. Tell, did you sin today? I mean, this is what they were doing. You worked on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus, he, he destroyed this later on. I mean, he dealt with this whole Sabbath thing. There is, uh, there is a, 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 what do they call it? There is a, an acceptance, I guess, for acts of mercy on the days of Sabbath. Jesus did not sin. He did not violate the Sabbath. In fact, one of the things that Jesus goes on to rebuke these guys for, he says, you guys sit yourself in the seat of Moses. You claim to be the authority on the word of God, but you're not. You snuck in over a wall. You're pretending to be in a position, but you don't have the right to be in that position. He's like, what are you guys trying to serve the Sabbath for anyway? You weren't made to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to be a blessing to you. Anyway, there's a whole message that we could preach about the Sabbath. But I'm telling you, these guys got upset. And they started, so, so, so tell us, blind man, what happened? Well, this is the miracle. No, no, that can't happen through a sinner. You know what? We need another witness in this. Go get the guy's parents. We know his parents. Come bring them here. So they bring in the blind man, the blind man who was blind and now see. They bring in his parents. Is this your son? Yes, it is. Was he born blind? Yes, he was. How does he now see? Ask him. <laughs> I mean, that's really what they say. They say, he's old enough. He can answer for himself. Why don't you ask him and, and, and see what happened? And so, uh, so they turn again. Okay, tell us what happened. And read the story, man. He's like, I already told you. What part don't you understand? All I know is I was blind. Now I see. These guys get so irritated. You can read the rest of this. They go back and forth a little bit. These guys get so irritated with this man who was blind and now sees. They end up excommunicating him from the church. As they kick him out of the church, Jesus shows up again. And Jesus begins to minister to him. He's like, listen, you were blind, 
but now you see. I came to bring judgment because there are people who claim they can see, but they're really blind. And I'm exposing that. There are people who claim to be in authority, but in reality, they're thieves and they're liars. And then he begins to tell them this whole story about how he is the good shepherd and how he is the door by which people can access salvation in the kingdom of God. This is such an awesome story. So I want you to keep this in mind. So listen, if you're here today and you've ever felt rejected by the church, you've ever felt judged by the church, you've ever had somebody come and they're holier than thou in their attitude towards you, take this as a word of comfort from Jesus. I'm telling you, this is, this is an awesome, awesome deal. So what Jesus begins to talk about is he begins to talk about shepherds. And shepherds, we know, is a common theme all throughout Scripture. Very common in Israel. It's not an easy job because sheep are defenseless, so the shepherd would have to defend the sheep, right? We read about the, the life of David, and, and over the course of his shepherding, there were times where he had to fight wolves. There were times he had to fight a bear. He had to fight a lion. This was commonplace for a shepherd. And you look in other occasions, I mean, they, these guys would go and they'd have to weather, you know, night and day and on and on. The Bible, it seems like God likes shepherds, though, I'll tell you. Because did you know Abraham was a shepherd? Isaac was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Did you know Moses before he was the deliverer, the leader of the nation? Did you know Moses was a shepherd as well. On and on and on. Even we get in, we're coming into Christmas, holiday season, right? You remember the announcement, the angels, a whole, a whole, uh, uh, what do they call it? A whole host. Thank you. I was looking for the Christmas. The host of angels shows up and, and they begin to pronounce. Do you remember who they announced to? Shepherds. They began to talk to shepherds. And even Minister Rylin today shared a verse about how we are the sheep of his pasture. And so we, we know God is a, God's a shepherd. And we love that. I, I love that picture. You probably know by heart the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, you know it. And so Jesus says this in verse 1, John 10. Assuredly, I say, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, is a thief and a robber. He's talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about this Jewish leader that has just excommunicated this worshiper, you understand. But he begins to use this terminology of the sheepfold and the shepherd. Now, do you know what a sheepfold is? I didn't either until I began to study that. This is really cool. You imagine if Kona was shepherding land, okay? We have sheep. Everybody in one area would all share one fold, okay? So let's just say we've got the Kona sheepfold. And in Kona, we have maybe 10 shepherds. What would happen is we might, you know, let's just imagine that some of us are shepherds. Seth is a shepherd, and I'm a shepherd, and Leah's a shepherd, and Tim is a shepherd, right? We're all shepherds, right? And so we go and we lead our sheep we take care of our sheep throughout the day but at the end of the day we all come together and we bring all of our sheep into the same fold they all go into the same gated area and what happens is they would lock up that gate at the end of the night the shepherds would go to rest but the shepherds would hire another individual called the gatekeeper 
You can read about that in verse 3. Jesus mentions the gatekeeper. So the shepherds hire a gatekeeper, and what that guy does is he keeps the gate. He's the one who makes sure there's wolves that don't come in at night. There's nobody who comes in to steal a sheep or anything like that. He takes care. Now, I believe this is a picture. Of course, we know the good shepherd is, you know, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. He also says that he's the door. I believe that these, uh, the gate or the doorkeepers are a picture of the leadership that God installs in, in various places. He'll hire a pastor, and I'm, I'm calling you to this. He'll raise up a missionary. He'll, he'll raise up evangelists. And these are the people who help take care of the flock of God while Jesus is away he's returning soon praise god you guys getting the picture this is so cool and so what happens is is all of these things uh they all come together all of the sheep come together and they're all cared for now that that creates an interesting problem but we're going to talk about it because man this is there's some awesome encouragement that comes in here and uh so look at this i've got three things for you that i think are going to help you Three ways that the good shepherd deals with his sheep. The first one we see in verse 3, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. He knows my name. Jesus knows my name. I want you to write this down. He knows my name. Verse 3 says, to him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name now you just remember who's he talking to here the blind man okay you guys are all writing down that's fine if you're just nobody's falling asleep you guys are all looking attentive who's he talking to the blind man okay what has just happened to the blind man he's just been excommunicated and you think about everything that they just had to run this guy through Who is this guy? Tell me your story. No, I don't believe that. Parents come. They knew the parents. How did they know the parents? These guys attended this place of worship often. They knew the family. They didn't know him. It was common for people to stand and beg at the entryway to the temples because people were coming and going. They're generous people. They were giving people. I'll tell you, I've only been here a couple months, but I already know all the homeless that hang around this area. I already know you guys. I mean, a lot of you YWAMers, you've just come recently. You probably already recognize a lot of these guys. You've only been here a few weeks. How is it that these guys have spent their lives in the same place and they don't know a guy who sits right outside their temple? They know the parents and this guy has these come and pronounce judgment on him. You're not worthy to be a part of the house of God any longer. You imagine how rejected. You imagine if a church leader came and said, you're not worthy to worship. That'll cut deep. But here comes Jesus. And he says, I'm a good shepherd. And I know your name. I know who you are. You guys. This is amazing. He knows my name. He knows your name. And you might wonder, these these sheep, they get put into the fold. You ever wonder, like, how did they know who their sheep was? This is what would happen every day. So, right, we're in Kona. We're in the Kona sheepfold. How many shepherds do we have? Ten. All right. So we got ten shepherds. 
And what happens is in the morning, we have the gatekeeper come and open the gate. And what happens is, uh, you know, Seth the shepherd is over there. And uh, what's your name again? I forget. Achille. He knows your name. I'm sorry, I didn't know your name. Achille is a shepherd, and he's over there. And so what happens is uh, we'll stand out there, and we got three shepherds, and we begin to call for our sheep. Seth, call your sheep. Yeah, call your sheep. <laughs> Keely, call your sheep. Okay, that was so we're saying come. This is how I call my sheep. <laughs> Can you do that? So you you call they, these guys would call their sheep. And the Bible says <laughs> You know, we actually convinced our I, I told my kids we were I, I'm gonna go off on a on a bunny trail here. Is this okay? We got time. Um so you my kids, they, uh, they'd always play the last, when we, where we lived in Lahaina, there was a big courtyard and all the kids would come and play out there. And when it was time to make our kids come inside, I would say, Gabriel, Mariah, it's time to come and feed the goat. And I would, I would do it from inside the house. And so all the kids were convinced we had a goat. In our little apartment in Lahaina, we had a goat. And so, you know, but this was, this was what was so funny. My wife did a Bible study with moms in the, in the complex one time. And, uh, and she, the, one of the moms comes to my wife and she's like, you know, my kids said that you guys had a goat. And I just, you know, I thought they were kidding, but I was outside one day and I heard the goat. Do you guys have a goat in your house? And I'm like, <laughs> no, no. And so anyway, she tells her. Anyway, that's my bunny trail. We're back on track. So they call. So they're, the shepherds are out there, right? They're calling for the sheep. And, uh, and, and the Bible, I mean, Jesus, he says the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And the shepherd knows their name. And so you know what's so neat about this? The sheep begin to come out. And this is really how this works. The sheep begin to come out, and they know who their shepherd is. They know, some of them know that's my shepherd. Some of them know that's my shepherd. Some of them know this is my shepherd, right? And so they all go the different ways. But the shepherd knows the names of the sheep. You know, that tells me it's, a, it's, a, it's personal. It's not just some nameless animal. I just, I, I need you for your wool. No, it's a, this is a personal thing. I mean, have you ever had a dog? How many of you have ever owned a dog or a cat in your life? How many of you, how many of you did not name your dog or your cat? Nobody. Oh, you did? It was probably for food then, huh? So... <laughs> You know, because here's the deal. When we have a pet, we name the pet, right? We name our pets. Even my daughter, she's got guppies, and she named her guppies, right? I mean, just it's little, you know, she's got a black one. She's got a white one. She's got a gold one, and there's blacky and whitey and orangey. And, and uh, no, she's got better names for them than that. But, uh, but she does. She, those, are her, those are her pets. She names them. Uh, you know, you get a, you get a cow. I mean, it's not very often you name a cow. In fact, my wife, her family owned a cow on one occasion. And here's the problem. They got attached to the cow and they named the cow. This is not a good deal. If you don't name your food, because then when butchering day comes, it's going to be a tragic day. They named the cow. What was the name of the cow? Prime rib. 
as prophetic. But when the day came, you know, the, the, the cow was big enough to be slaughtered. They decided, no, this is going to be too sad. So they sold the cow instead, didn't you? And they sold it, and maybe the next guy didn't name it, butchered it. So <laughs> Prime rib. In any event, where, what am I talking about? Jesus. Oh, yeah. Jesus. He knows the name of his sheep. He knows the name of his sheep, and the sheep know his voice. I'm telling you, guys, uh, this, this Christian walk is not difficult. You enter in through the door. Jesus is the door. I, I'll tell you, the physical church, a leader who raises himself up into a position within the church, that's not the door to salvation. Receiving communion, even being baptized. I believe in all of those things. I believe in church leadership. None of those things are the door to salvation. There's only one door to salvation, and his name is Jesus. I am the door. I am the door of the sheep. That's how we enter in. And when you enter in, you become the property of a good shepherd. He knows your name, he knows you personally. Not just, oh, this is the Kona flock. No. He knows you personally. I want you to think about that sometime. I mean, it's easy for us to think, you know, I'm just one of the, the millions of believers on the face. No. When Jesus was dying on the cross, the Bible says that he endured that agony for the joy that was set before him. Do you know what that joy was? It was you. It was me. He was thinking about Jacob when he died on the cross. He was thinking about you. Not just some generic, I'm going to die for whoever wants. No, he had people in mind, individually, specifically, by name, when he shed his blood for you. If that doesn't comfort and encourage you, boy, I don't know what will. That's so awesome. He'll speak to you. That's one of the things that I want you to get out of that verse. He says, they know my voice. Did you know you can hear from God? Everybody can hear from God. Not just through a prophet. I believe in prophets. But you can hear from God. He'll speak to you through conviction. He'll speak to you through creation. He'll speak to you through the Bible. And yeah, at times he will speak to you through others. But you can hear his voice. You need to incline yourself. Good shepherd, I'm here and I'm listening. Speak to me. Lead me. Direct me. I need to hear your voice. Oh, praise God. Here's the second thing I want you to be mindful of. If you're taking notes, write this down. He leads me out. He leads me out. You'll see this at the, the end of verse 3. It says, he leads them. Talking about the good shepherd. They enter into the fold. He leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. He leads them out. Now here's another cool picture. Let me tell you how the shepherds would do it in this day. Uh, I, I love the fact that... that shepherds as we see it today now you've probably seen how many of you have ever seen a picture of a sheep dog right we see these big old bushy dogs and they're the ones right they the 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 shepherd is moving and uh and and, and the sheep dogs begin to go and they begin to steer the the sheep wherever it is that they're going we're going to go over this hill today and we're going to go graze over there and the the sheep dogs go that's not the way they would shepherd in this day 
In fact, you read, and he, Jesus is very specific. The shepherd doesn't stand behind and bark orders and have the dog nip you if you're getting off track. No, this, what Jesus is saying is that the shepherd leads them. He calls out to them. They come, and then he begins to lead, and they follow. Guys, this is the way Jesus deals with us, you understand. We are to walk hand in hand with the Lord. It's not him from heaven just shouting down orders. Hey, remember, remember, you, remember the book. You're going the wrong. No, he is leading us. He is directing us. And if you're in fellowship with the shepherd, if you belong to the good shepherd, he is going to lead you. He's going to direct you. Oh, my goodness. Stay in fellowship with the good shepherd. I know, man, I'm, I'm a planner. I like to have my five-year, my 10-year plan, and I, I just I want to know where I'm going. But here's what I've learned. We walk step by steps, right? The steps of, uh, of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. We walk and we live step by step. I, I would love to move by, by leaps and by bounds from season to season, but that's not how it works. No, it's, it's every day. Lord, do you want me to go to Walmart or Target today? Target, she says. I mean, really, he'll he'll direct your steps. God, do you want me to go to the eight or the ten o'clock service today? And he'll direct your steps. You'll be walking along with Jesus, and he'll just tell you you're walking through Target, I guess. And uh, and he says, listen, hey, hey, I want you to go pray for that lady over there. That's where Jesus is going. Because you know what the beautiful picture is? It's just not, he, he doesn't just bark an order at you. Hey, go pray for that lady. No, he says, here, come. Let's go minister to this lady. That's how he operates. That's why it's the great commission. It's not just the great mission. Go and, and do these things. Go make disciples. Go preach. Go heal. Go. No, he says, he says it's a, we call it the great commission because he says, I am with you always. The good shepherd, he leads us. And so that's what he's going to do. Guys, we just need to stay in step with him. We just need to stay in fellowship with him. And, and did you notice? What did I have you write down? He leads us where? Out. Oh, my goodness. Guys, I spent years traveling as an evangelist. In fact, all my years in Bible school, I thought I'd move exclusively into missions and evangelism. That's why we've done so much outreach over the years. I've been staff evangelists. We've been guest ministers all over the place. And uh, I've got a heart to go out. We need to always maintain a heart for those who are out. That's where he leads. He leads them out. This right here, you know, you know what this is? Oh, I'm going to talk about it in my next point, but this is where we rally together. This is where we encourage one another. This is why we on Tuesday night, we pray and we prophesy over one another. Why? I'm trying to put tools in your hand so that when you go out, you got, man, I know how to prophesy now. Right? I, I know how to pray for a sick person. Now, I got some tools in my hand so when I'm led out, I, I actually know what I'm, what I'm to do. Right? So we go, we go out. That's where he's leading us. This right here, guys, this is a rally point. This is where we rest. This is where we refresh. This is where we recover. Our mission, church happens out. 
And, and I'm telling you guys, uh, uh, an ingrown church is like an ingrown toenail. If all we become concerned about is what's our next ministry, what's our next event, what's our next service, when are you praying for me, when is the blessing for me, when is my hand out, I'll tell you, you're going to be like an ingrown nail. And it's annoying at first, but eventually it can become effective, infected, it can become dangerous, it can, I mean, it can really be life-threatening. And I'm telling you, being ingrown, inward focused all the time, it's fine sometimes. I know you need care sometimes. I need care. I need ministry at times. But if that's all we ever do, I tell you, our church will become unhealthy. And it may die. We always need to keep our eyes out. In fact, I'll never forget, somebody, somebody told me one time, I had a, this was my first year or two in ministry, first church we pastored. And uh, I'll never forget, this lady came and she she said, I'm struggling with suicidal thoughts. I want to take my life. And I, I mean, that, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, I'm, I'm responsible for this information. What do I do with this? And I remember I called my mentor. And, um, and they said, you know what you need to do? Because I, I said, is, is that a spirit? Do I need to break the devil off of this lady? Do I, you know, how, how do I pray? And this is what they said. They said, no, you need to get her involved in a ministry. I'm like, What? She's suicidal. You want me to have her serve in a ministry? Yes. Because as soon as she begins to look out, she'll realize <laughs> it's not all about her. You, you begin to care about somebody else. You're going to realize my life isn't as bad as what I, I, I think it is. You begin to minister. Did you know, like when I pray for people, when I minister, guys, I am the most blessed one in the room. As things flow through me, I get so incredibly blessed. And I'm telling you, the greatest blessing you can have in your life is when you begin to serve other people. Because what you sow into others, you're going to reap in your own life. I'm preaching good. I should have said that in the first service. I don't know. I'll tell you, that's... You want to get blessed? You begin to serve others. You want to break depression off of your life? You begin to serve others. You want to get encouraged? Go invite somebody to church. Go pray for somebody out on the street. Are you hearing me today? He leads me out. Okay, now here's the last one. And uh, we're going to pray and we're going to go on a field trip. It's going to be awesome. Here's the last one. He leads me to abundant life. He leads me to abundant life. You see this in verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Now, I'm going to burst some bubbles here. Because did you know? Now, you pay attention to the first part of the message. Remember, Jesus is talking to a blind man who's been made whole. And he's telling this man, listen, these authorities who just chastise you, these guys who just excommunicated you from the church, listen, they aren't the authority. I'm the gate. I'm the shepherd, not them, right? He says those, they came in by another way. They're seating. They're, in fact, in, in Matthew 23, you ever want to read a good rebuke? Read Matthew 23. Jesus, I mean, he's blasting the Pharisees over and over and over again. You guys think you're so godly? You'll travel all around the world. You'll make a disciple and they end up twice the son of hell that you are. Jesus. I'm like, you guys ever think that Jesus was just sweet and nice all the time? 
you ain't read your Bible. I just say, read Matthew 23 sometime. In fact, especially if you're a leader, sometimes I'll put myself in there. And I'm like, what if Jesus was saying these things to me? Am I being false? Am I being, am I being selfish? Am I being deceitful? I mean, really, you, you ought to run yourself through that one sometime. And you have to go to him for healing later on because it's going to wound you. Jesus is harsh to these guys. One of the things that he says to the Pharisees, he's like, you put yourself in the seat of Moses. That seat's not yours. You're a false guide. You set false standards nobody can live by. In fact, my favorite one that he says is he's like, he's like you guys are like graves. Beautiful on the outside, but inside you're dead. Oh, my goodness. Help me, Jesus. Don't ever let me be that. Don't ever let us be that. Amen? Oh, my goodness. He, he leads us. So, so what was I saying? The thief does not come. Do you know what the thief is? Do you remember what the thief was? It's not the devil. The thief that he's talking about are actually false leaders and false teachers. They're, they're, they're false ministers. They're, they're people that say, this is the way of life. But it's not. He's saying that is going to steal. It's going to kill. It's going to destroy you. And I'm telling you guys, we need to be so careful. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you follow. Be careful who you associate yourself with. Who do you allow to influence you and lead you around? If they are not of the door, Jesus Christ, be very careful. Be very careful what you hear and what you allow to influence you, please. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundant. Now, now, my wife told me I can't just blast a thought that we've all had. Oh, I always thought that was the devil. And Pastor Jacob just ruined that for me. So let me just tell you, it's not entirely wrong to think that that is about the devil. Because in chapter 8, in John 8, you might remember Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and religious leaders. And he said, you guys are just like your father. Anybody remember who he said their father was? The devil. You guys are just like your father. The devil. It's a nice encouraging word from Jesus. Another one, right? You guys are just like your father, the devil. And so I'm telling you, when we have thieves and liars who are, who are influencing people the wrong way, it is the ministry of Satan. It really is. It's the ministry. So if you take this, if you hear people use this in context, you don't go blast them. That's not talking about the devil. That's talking about false teachers. Don't do that, okay? Because it's all from the devil. You understand? All right. So he leads me to abundant life. And let me tell you what this looks like. Could I get the piano to come? And, uh, and we'll just play in the background as we close our message today. This is maybe my favorite picture of how the good shepherd ministers. What happens is the shepherd would lead the sheep out throughout the day. They bring them back into the fold at night and they stay there. The doorkeeper takes care of them and they call them by day and they lead them around. And it's just a, what an awesome picture. That's how the Lord deals with us. But Jesus has come to give us life, an abundant life, whole life, healed life. A life of goodness, a life of blessing, a life of, of overcoming, a life of victory. And, and, and one of the things that the shepherds would do, now this is so awesome. Every night as they would lead the sheep back into the fold, what would happen is they would actually put their rod out. 
And they would come and they would examine each of the sheep. And they know them by name. And they would examine and there was times where they'd stop them. They'd use that. Have you ever seen the shepherd's rod with the big hook on the end? Right around the neck, they'd stop. They'd pull them off to the side. Come here, Fluffy. Looks like you went off track today. You got tangled up in some thorns. Let's, let's, let's get those out here. And the shepherd begins to pull out the thorns. And remember in the 23rd Psalm, it says he anoints my head with oil. There's healing virtue in the oil. There's times even where, where, where mud and junk and all of this comes in. The, the oil that they would use to pour over the head would actually break up the junk and the sediment. And sometimes it would become so thick they, the sheep wouldn't even be able to see. But to pour the oil over and break that thing up and now they can. That's how the shepherd would minister to them. He, he'd see their need. You look like you got bit by a wolf today. Oh my goodness. He'd bandage up their leg and he'd take care of them. And I, I tell you, this is how Jesus desires to minister to each and every one of you. He knows your name. And as you, as you come into his presence, he says, hang on now. Let's, let's check you out. You ever come into the presence of God and all of a sudden you remember that stupid thing you told your spouse driving to church? It's like, oh, I got to repent before I start to worship. That's okay. Because sometimes God will heal you. Hang on, hang on. Let's, let's fix this right here. You got tangled up in some thorns. You got, you got something ugly between you and another person. Let's fix, let's fix that. Oh, you got wounded. Come on, let's, let, let, let me heal you up before. That's how he ministers to us. Oh, guys, such a precious, precious. He deals with you personally. Into, he knows every wound. He knows every secret. He knows that thing you haven't told anybody about. He knows and he can heal it. Oh my goodness. He's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. Wow. I just want you to stand up right now. I want you to put your hand over your heart. Jesus, you're a good shepherd. And Lord, I just ask that right now, all across this room, even as we put our hand over our heart, Lord, I, I just pray you'd minister all across this room, even right now. Jesus, that you would touch us, that you would heal us. Lord, there's moments where we get wounded, we get hurt, we go astray, and Thank you, Lord. You're a good shepherd. You come after us. You, you, you bring us back. You, you anoint us. You heal us. You restore us. You bind up our broken heart. You, you heal the things that are, that are broken on the inside of us. And God, I just pray there's things that, Lord, maybe even this last week we got tangled up in something that we just, it blindsided us. Maybe some wolf came along and, boy, they just chewed us up a little bit and, Jesus, I just thank you. You're a healer. And I just ask all across this room, let that shepherd's rod pass over us. Examine each and every one of us. Look us over. Call us by name. Minister personally to each and every one. Oh, my God.
mighty God.